pray that you would indeed today and over the coming weeks that you would teach us about worship. That you would help us to understand what you like, what your preferences are, what your commands are in worship. And I pray that you would use this time not only to help us develop a list or to worship rightly, but that you would use this time to shape us into the people that you would have us to be. That the truth of who you are and what you have done would grip our hearts and your beauty and grace and majesty would grip us and change us and that after we gather to worship you, we would scatter as people who are transformed. Please come and do that. I ask that you'd be willing to do it even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we begin looking at worship this morning, I want to look at three things with you. First, I want to talk about what is worship, so we can begin to have a working definition of worship from the Scripture. Secondly, I want to make the case that we all worship something, that we are all worshipers and we all worship something. And then thirdly, I want to make the case that what we worship shapes us, that it changes us, that what we worship transforms us and shapes us into the people that we are. So let's look at those three things together. First, what is worship? What is worship? As we look here at Exodus 20, when God is obviously talking about worship in the first two of the Ten Commandments, I would say that worship from this passage is giving something the highest value so that we serve that thing. That worship is giving something the highest value so that we serve that thing. Now, if you look up worship in the dictionary, it's going to talk about having a reverence or an awe or serving a deity or whatever we choose as the most supreme thing. But I think this definition of giving something the highest value so that we serve that thing is very true to what the Scripture says. Look at verse 3. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. God is saying, I want you to have me as your highest value, your greatest priority. I want you to see me as the most supreme thing in the universe. To some of us, that sounds kind of vain, right? And if I'm saying that to my wife or to my children or to my church, it is vanity, right? I want you to see me as the greatest thing ever in the history of mankind. Yeah, right, sure. But when God says that, the one who created all things by the power of his word, the one who has just freed them, the one who is the most supreme thing, he's just asking them to recognize reality. And so worship is ascribing to something the highest value, giving it the supreme place such that we would serve that thing. You see that in verse 5, right? Right there at the end where he says, you shall not bow down to other things or serve other things. That we recognize God as the highest value and we serve him alone. And so that's where we get this definition of worship, giving something the highest value in our life, the highest priority, such that we bow down and we serve that thing. Jesus says this very clearly, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, remember when he's being tempted by Satan, and Satan says, hey, if you'll bow down to me, then I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world, and what does Jesus say? He says, 
it is written, be gone, Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God, there's worship, and him only shall you serve. And if you keep going into scripture, we see this worship, this giving something the highest value along with service right there with it, that those things go together. So Jesus recognizes we worship the Lord our God and him only we serve. We give him the highest place, the highest priority, the highest value in our lives, and that results in our serving him. That's where we get our definition of worship, not just from Exodus 20, from also from Jesus and his interaction with the evil one, as he quotes the Old Testament, by the way. So that's what is worship. We'll continue to develop that definition as we go, but I think that's a pretty good working definition, giving something the highest value so that we serve that thing. Number two, if that's what worship is, then I want to make the case that we are all worshipers, that we all worship something. Now listen, you may be here today and you say, look, I am not a religious person. Yeah, I came because somebody invited me and I wanted to be nice. Or I've just heard y'all are kind of weird and I wanted to come check it out. Whatever reason you are here, I'm glad that you're here. And you may be thinking, I'm not a worshiper of anything. And so I would just ask, I hear what you're saying, but just keep an open mind. Work with me here. Listen to what I have to say. And see if you don't agree with me that we're all worshipers. But probably more likely you are here today and you are saying, yes. I do give God the highest place in my life. That is what I do. I ascribe to him the highest value. <laughs> uh, do you? I hope that you will keep an open mind as we work through this, and you will listen to the questions that we're asking today, and that you would be serious about them, such that maybe you find that there are other things you give a higher priority than God. So let's look at this together. We all worship something. We are all worshipers. Now, this is very linear, okay? It's just the way that I think. I'm sorry, but just baby steps. This is the way I think about this or the way I come to this conclusion that we're all worshipers. Number one, we all have things that we value. We all have things that we value. There's some things that, that are very important to us. For some of us, we would say we value God. We value our church. We value community and time together. For some of us, we would say we value our family. We value our health, and we spend a lot of time working on our health. For some of us, we would say we value our job, and we spend a lot of time getting better and learning to do it well. Or we value our money, and we spend a lot of time managing our money and being good stewards of the money. That we have. For some of us, we say that we value our reputation, that we want to have a good name, that we want to have credibility in the community, that we don't want to be thought well of. We all have things that we value. And if you know me, one of the things that I value most are Krispy Kreme donuts. It's a huge value for me. So let's set that up here as a reminder. We all have things that we value. That's step one. Now, second step, these things that we value, these values compete with one another, right? There are some things that we value more than other things. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I will not trade a dozen for one of my girls. I value them more, even if the hot now light is on, right? 
There are some things we value more than others. Money is important to me. I, it's, it's important that I have money. I've got one in college and one on the way, right? But if I've got, well, that's one on the way to college, not that we're pregnant. Oh my gosh. Lisa's back there in the back. Cleared that up there. I guess two on the way to college, technically. So anyway, I, if I have money in my pocket, I'm willing to give up that money for Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm willing to part with $8 to get it, because at that moment, if I have money, then donuts are a higher value for me than $8 in my pocket, right? These values are competing. I'd rather have the donuts than $8, so I'll give up the $8 to get the donuts. But then you know, you've, you've heard this story before. I went to Dr. Bakafer. And Dr. Bachford says, if you value your health, you're going to have to give up the donuts, or at least cut back. I was eating them once or twice a week, that I would admit, and I've gone to four times a year now. He said, you're going to have to sacrifice some of your eating of donuts for your health. And I got convicted about this. You know, we do a lot of weddings here. There are a lot of college students and I go to these weddings, and I see they have the seating of the grandmothers, and they hardly ever have seating of the grandfathers. Have you noticed that? And I always wondered, how can, you know, I want to be at my grandkids' wedding. You know, why don't they have the seating? Of the, it's because they've eaten too many Krispy Kreme donuts, and they're not alive anymore. And Dr. Bachver said, if you value your health, you're going to have to sacrifice the donuts. And so my health is a higher value than the donuts. And so I sacrificed those. So these values compete. You get the picture, right? That these things that we value compete with each other. And then something has the highest value for you. There is something in your life that if push came to shove, you would give up everything else for that thing, right? There's something that has the greatest value, that thing is your God. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. It's whatever you have the highest value to. And if you're willing to sacrifice everything else for it, then that is what you would alone serve. That would be consistent with our definition that something has the highest value for you. If your kids are the most important thing to you, you will sacrifice everything else for them. You will sacrifice your job performance. If your kids need you, you'll be there for your kids because you prioritize them more than your job. If money is the most important thing to you, you will sacrifice everything else and the decisions you make will be based on what gains you the most or loses you the least amount of money. So on Saturday, maybe you say, I can go into the office and make more money or I can go and see my kid play soccer. And maybe you come to the conclusion, I'm going to the soccer game, but maybe it's because you think you can make more money doing that, making connections at the field. But the point is, we sacrifice other things for our highest value. All other things become subservient to that value. In fact, listen to the language I'm using. We sacrifice other things for this thing. That is even worship language, right? That we make sacrifices to the thing that's the most important thing. If I told you we were going to offer sacrifices today, you would clearly see that as worship, Yet we make sacrifices in our lives, and it's because we have competing values, and whatever we would sacrifice everything else for is our God. It is the highest value. It is the thing that we worship. I wonder, 
What is that for you? What has the highest value in your heart? What do you serve and sacrifice everything else for? Let me ask you a few questions to help discern what that, be, what that may be. First question, what is it that gives you self-worth? What is it that makes life worth living for you? Maybe it's what you are most proud of. That can be an indication of what your highest, I'm not saying it necessarily, is that can be an indication of what your highest value is. What is it that you most easily think about when you're sitting at a red light? when you're in the shower, when you're going to sleep at night, where does your mind go? That's an indication of what has your affections, of what has your heart. If when you lay your head on the pillow, you're thinking about SEC football and who's going to be, who's going to play Georgia in the playoff, the SEC playoff, if that's where your mind goes, I like the way you slip that in, then maybe that's what has a hold of your heart. Maybe that's a high value for you. If what you most naturally think about are your kids, maybe if what you think about is work, if what you think about is your to-do list and what have you gotten done, maybe achievement is the highest thing for you. Efficiency is the highest thing for you. What is it you most easily think about? What do you worry about the most? Sometimes we worry about the things that are the most important to us. That can be an indication of what your highest value is. Where do you go for comfort? When we talk about Krispy Kreme donuts, heck, we even call it comfort food that we go to sometimes. Where do you go for comfort? Sometimes that's an indication of your highest value. Here's one. Whew, this one gets me. How do you justify yourself, right? That's kind of church language. Let me put it like this. When you're criticized, where does your mind go? You know what I'm talking about. Somebody's being critical of you. You say, well, at least I am blank, right? At least I'm a good father. At least I'm a good husband. At least I'm a good pastor. I can't see that because that's usually what I'm being criticized about, right? At least I'm a good person. I do the right things. Usually it's in contrast to them, not like them who's not a good person, because they don't do X, Y, or Z, and that will tell you what some of your values are. But how do you justify yourself? It could be your job. At least I'm good at my job. At least I tell the truth. It could be your family. At least I've raised good kids. It could be your money. It could be something that's more abstract control, right? Everything's okay as long as I get to call all the shots. It could be something like control. It could be something like comfort, as long as I'm not discomforted in any way, then everything will be all right. It could be the approval of people. It could be freedom. It could be morality. It could be achievement. Something has the highest value for you. Everybody builds their life on something. We give our heart to something. We talk about giving our heart to Jesus. Sometimes we give our heart to other things. We set our hopes on something, we live for something, we find our meaning in something, or in today's language, we find our identity in something. That's what I'm getting to. And we think as long as I have this, then I'm worth something. What is that for you? It's an indication of what your highest value is. If you're really brave, ask somebody close to you what they think your highest value is. It's important to know because of this third point. We all worship something, but number three, what we worship shapes us. 
I've already really started talking about this, right? That we value things, and when the values compete, something has the highest value, and we sacrifice everything else for whatever our highest value is. Think about that. What I'm saying is whatever your highest value is shapes the decisions you make, whether to go to the game on Saturday or to work, whether to stay home from work with kids or to go to work. Whatever your highest value is shapes your decisions. It dictates your choices. It affects your emotions. Think about that. A lot of times we get we have anxiety if whatever is most important to us is threatened. We feel guilt if we have failed in this area or we have betrayed this thing. We experience anger if what we think we have to have is blocked from us. So do you see what I'm saying? Whatever your highest value is shapes your decisions, dictates your choices. It affects the way that you feel, right? It affects the emotions that you feel. And so in this way, whatever your highest value is, this thing shapes us and it controls our behavior and emotions and dictates our choices. And we sacrifice other things for what's most important. And in that way, we bow down and we serve this thing. So what we worship shapes us. Now, some folks hear that and they say, well, that sounds like psychology to me. He's talking about anger and anxiety and worry and that sort of thing. Well, maybe it is psychology, but it's biblical. Psalm 115, verse 8, our call to worship. What did it say? Talking of idols, those who make them, those who have created things as their highest value, so the creator will be like them. And so will all who trust in them, right? Those things shape our choices and affect our emotions, and so we become like them. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that was our promise of pardon, right? If we make the creator of the universe and what he has done for us in Christ the highest thing, it says what? And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Think about that. When we contemplate the Lord's glory and we see his glory and his majesty and his grace and his mercy, that that too shapes us and we're transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That that's what shapes us. And that's why worship shapes us. That's why we gather together. So that that's what shapes us instead of lies or other things in the world that may be good things, but they're not the best things. In fact, the word worship, the English word that we have comes from the phrase worth shape. It comes from, the, from being shaped by the worth of something. And we become shaped by the worth of whatever it is that we worship. Isn't that what Jesus said? We just looked at parables, right? Remember the ones in Matthew 13, the pearl of great price? He said this merchant is willing to sell everything else he has and to sell all his other persons to get this one because it's the greatest thing. Or the treasure in the field in Matthew 13, that this man finds a treasure in a field and he's willing to sell everything else that he has so that he can buy this land and gain this treasure. That's what Jesus is talking about, this concept. Here's the problem that we have. Our problem is we don't assign the right value to things. 
Krispy Kreme donuts are great, but I give them way too much credit than probably what they deserve. I can't believe I said that. But these masters that we have, other than God, these other so-called gods that we give supreme value, they are cruel masters. Money, the opinion of people, there is no grace or mercy extended to us by those gods at all. They are unforgiving, unrelenting masters. And we don't value enough the fact that God loved us so much that he, watched this language, sacrificed his son for us. What kind of value does that mean he placed on you? I love the song that we sang, these two things that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. Amen. Great song choice, Lee. But yes, we don't value that. Or on Reformation Sunday, we don't value enough that we're saved by the grace of God alone, through our faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone, as revealed by the Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. It is important that we gather together on Sundays for worship to remind ourselves of these things, to sing these truths to one another. To say these truths and the prayers that we pray and the scripture that we read together to remind us of the value of things so that we're shaped by the right things. So many times when we're not here at worship and we're shaped by other things, we're shaped by lesser things, which makes us lesser people. When we should be shaped by the greatest thing, so that we're transformed into the people that God would have us to be. An illustration of this, I love this show. You may have heard me use this illustration before because I love Antiques Roadshow. I'll admit it publicly, love Antiques Roadshow. People are interesting. It's interesting what they bring in. I really love the appraisers, you know, how they get into all the details about things. I love the show. And then there's the big reveal, you know, how much is it worth? And somebody thought they were going to retire, and really it's worth like, you know, $500. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, eh, you thought you had something, didn't you? Love the show. Maybe you heard about Jinx Taylor. She's the 54-year-old homemaker from North Carolina who brought in these four jade bowls from China. Her father had served in the military in China in the 30s and 40s before World War II, and he had collected these bowls. He had died in the 80s, and she had displayed these jade bowls in her home for years. She liked them. But she wasn't really carried away by them. She had always found them interesting. So she took them to Antiques Roadshow when they were in Raleigh, North Carolina. So she's interested, but not excited, not overjoyed. Enter Asian arts appraiser James Callahan. And he sees these bowls. He looks at the bowls. He thought about the bowls. He noticed details about these bowls. And James Callahan got excited. He got overjoyed because he realized that these jade bowls were the most valuable thing that had ever been brought into any antiques roadshow any time in the history of the show. Now, before I tell the rest of the story, let me ask you this question. What's the difference between Jinx and James? Both of them are interested in these bowls. Both of them think that they're interesting and have thought about them. 
but one's really, really excited and overjoyed and one is not. What's the difference? The difference is James is being shaped by the worth of the bowls and Jinx is not. So what does James do? Forgive me, I'm a pastor. He shares the good news with her. It's evangelism. Thank you for being there for me. I appreciate it. Yes, he shares the good news with her. And he goes through the details and he turns it over. And there's this like Chinese marking that nobody knows what it says. And then he goes, this is, and they show it on the camera. And you can barely see it. It's like, this is a royal insignia from the emperor. And everybody's like, <gasps> right? He says, it was probably made in the 16th or the 17th century. And these bulls, he says, and I quote, it's the best thing I've ever seen on Roadshow. It's worth twice as much as anything that's ever been brought in. Over $1 million for four pieces. If you're interested in the old, it was a painting, 500000 So This was twice as much at the time. More, worth more than anything anybody else has brought in. $1 million for these four bulls. You know, they do those interviews afterwards, you know, and they're like, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was worth that part of the yard sale. Now it's worth all this money. I'm selling it to send my kids to college, right? They interview Jinx afterwards, and she says, uh, I have more, I have 30 more of these bowls at home. <laughs> do you think Jinx got excited about the bowls? <laughs> Heck yeah, she did. When she began to be shaped by their worth, it changed her life forever. End of illustration, beginning of application. Don't you want your life to be changed forever? Don't you want that? Listen, I love our church and I love what we believe and I celebrate it on Reformation Sunday. We believe the right stuff. We believe in God. We believe the Bible. We believe that worship is important, but we're not excited we're not fired up. We don't go out of here telling other people we've got the most important thing, the greatest thing that ever has been. We have God on our shelf at home, but we're not excited about him. And if we're honest, he doesn't really make a difference in our everyday lives. And that's why worship is important. <laughs> because we stop and we take time to see God's worth and his value and his majesty and his beauty. And we remember what he has done for us. And if worship is done rightly, then what we know to be true in our heads begins to set our hearts on fire. And we tell other the good news that we have the most valuable thing ever, not because some preacher tells us to or because we have some program to go and talk to our neighbors, but because we're excited and we see the value and we're shaped by the worth of what we have. That we're shaped by the worth of our God and the beauty of the good news of the gospel. And God becomes the highest value for us. And we begin to sacrifice other things for him. Listen, I'm not talking about just turning from sin. We ought to do that anyway because the consequences are horrible. I'm talking about choosing God over good things. Because we want the best thing for ourselves and for our family and for the people around us. Oh, may God do that in our hearts and our lives in this series. Let's pray and ask him to do that. Heavenly Father. Thank you for your word. I just pray that we'd be shaped by 
the value of you, of who you are. We take for granted that we can just come here, that we drove past many churches on the way to get here. We take your word for granted. We take the beauty of your gospel, your grace and your mercy. God, forgive us. Help us to see the value of what we have in you. May we be willing to give up everything else to have this. May we be people who are excited and overjoyed to tell other people about the greatest thing that we have found, that has found us, that has gripped our hearts, that has shaped us into the people that we are. Please come and do this, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.